Welcome to the Hear K Tell podcast, where we discuss the transitions from sport to career. My guest today is a dear friend and colleague in the professional realm, Asia Brown. Welcome. Hey. Welcome. Hey, welcome. Hey, what's up? What's up? I got to give the folks a little bit of context okay. here. You know, sport will forge long life relationships mm -hmm. like us meeting and then becoming best friends in all throughout these yeah. years sport the the sport of basketball was was that one thing we would we say we met in Seattle yeah. at a at a pre-draft combine yeah. Yeah. event and this is like I don't know this is like 25 years we we dinosaurs oh, now but I absolutely wanted to have you on this platform to share your story from sport to career. So I I want to jump right yes, in. Let's, let's do it. But let's, let me let's say, dive right let me into say this. to add to what you just said about how we met in Seattle, that was that was 20 years ago. Um mm. this upcoming April, I believe. So um just to let the audience know, I'm a little younger than I'm a little younger than Christina. <clears throat> but um How you say nobody's counting. Right, nobody's, nobody's counting. Counting. So you know, growing up in New York, you know, when you did your thing, you hitting the newspaper, you know, you all in the daily news, you all in the you know, New York Newsday. And so, right. you know, as a young talent, I always, you know, we always go into the back of the newspaper to the sports section to see what's popping. And so I regularly mm. saw, of course, you know. Christine Alexander, Christ the King, you know, crazy point right, guard. Right. Right. Shout, right. Out, shout out, shout out, shout out. So uh, I was like, okay, she representing New York, but New York is huge. And you're a little older than me, so I didn't meet you on the basketball circuit. But having seen you in the paper, I knew, very much knew who you were. And mm -hmm. uh, so when I saw you in Seattle in Red Lobster, because that's where we was at, like, yo, that's Christina. <laughs> yo, like, it was like you seeing a celebrity because the younger girls, you know, we looked up to you guys. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so then, and I'm like, yo, I'm from the Bronx. But you was like, why are you from New York? You know? And we just. It's that New York yeah, love. We, Listen. That's it. We, 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 we exchanged the math and the rest is history. The rest is absolute history. Yeah. Oh, man. I just, I always just smile when we get to telling that story because it has been that long. Yeah. But just the beginning, the way that that all began, man, just it's nothing but yeah. love. So. Let's let's get into right, this, let's Asia. Do it, let's do it. So, so can you share when you believe the earliest seed of leadership, coaching, teaching was planted for you? Mm. What did it do for you? Mm. Yeah. Wow. I was um. I was in high school. I had just relocated back to New York um, from spending a few years in California with my dad. And I got home and I was not familiar with the basketball circuit and what that whole thing looked like. So uh, I came back to the Bronx and I was at Lehman High School and I was on the team and it was hard. Is that where you went? Is that where you went to high school? The when I first got to New York. Okay. Cause I was until like, I, I don't yeah, remember until that. Until I said, okay, this, you know, until, you know, until things progressed and then I, I uh, finished at Manhattan Center. You know, okay. where we yes. got busy. The illustrious. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, at Lehman, the, the team was uh, was so bad, uh, Christina. The coach was just doing it for the paycheck. I swear mm -hmm. I am nobody's point guard. I swear I'm running the one to the five, okay? I'm doing everything. Oh, I'm wow. coaching the team. I'm drawing up plays. Keep in mind, I'm a sophomore and I'm like 15 years old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Mm. 
that that I guess mm. that in it, the the leadership qualities were innate, and then I was kind of forced to be the coach, the 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 one, the two, the three, the four, the five. You know, <laughs> <laughs> all that, yeah. all that, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so what did it what did it do for you? You know, you talk about Lehman High School, and then eventually moving over to Manhattan Center. Like it, what? It, it, right. It, so it helped me, of course build a name for myself in New York city because nobody knows me. I'm fresh off the plane coming from San Diego, but you know, here's this kid from the Bronx, Asia Brown. She's in the pace. She's scoring all these points. She's grabbing all these boards, Mm -hmm. you know, they losing, but this kid is going ham, you know, who, who, who is this kid? You know? So it kind of helped me build a name for myself, you know, on the circuit. And also at the same time, very early, but you know, looking back, I, I see that now, you know, just, literally I'm coaching my team because the coach, he doesn't know what he's doing. You know, you know, Mm. I'm, Mm. yeah, yeah, you know. Interesting. So, so talk about, because I want, I I think it's important that our listeners understand, you know, talk about your beginnings, you know, again, when did you start playing ball? You know, who helped you get into it? Was it a family member? A family member. Um, I was like seven years old, six or seven. Okay. And I was um, hanging out at my grandma's house. She lived in Mount Vernon. And my aunt Stacy, she's like my big sister. We're only 10 years apart. She she took me to the park one day. I remember she had this Lakers basketball that uh-huh. my uncle brought her. So she's like, yo, come on, let's go to the park. And she's like, hey, dribble like this, do this. Like, she's just like telling me to do things. And it was just natural, you know? Like, you know, cross the ball, dribble like this, put it in your, put it through your legs. Oh, shoot like that. You know? Mm-hmm. So that, I was like, it's 1987 or yeah, I think it's 1987 or 86. I was a little girl. Yeah. Wow. So could she hoop or she, was she just she one wasn't of those? A hooper, you... But she hooped, but she wasn't a hooper. Okay. You know, she kind of did everything. Okay. She played okay. softball, you know. She knew, she knew a little, a little bit. She knew and enough. She, she's like infatuated with Michael Jordan because of his style, you know, and come on mm-hmm. in the eighties, we know that was the man. So come yeah. On, right. Right. Yeah. Facts. Facts. So. Now. So looking back, what was your transition from high school to college? Like talk about how you finished your high school career at Manhattan center. Wow. And for those of you who don't know, this is like true New York basketball. When you talk about New York, you got to talk about Christ the King. You got to talk about Manhattan center. You got to talk about August mm-hmm. Martin. You got to talk about so many different legends, classic stories of high school, elite basketball so I want you to you know how did your how did your senior year end up oh wow the senior year was uh great athletically um we finished the season we finished the regular season I believe 22 and 0 um so we got to the garden at 21 and 0 and Mm. we won that game and then um yeah we went up to the states to play the illustrious Christ the King okay Took that out. Took that it's okay. Out. I it's mean, okay. you know, that's mm-hmm. another interesting mm-hmm. story. I have to come back for that one. That's when I was playing with. Okay. Yeah, we can do episode two. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, I mean, Forget, forgot about them. We went here. Shout out to Walter again. Shout out to Walter Welsh. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a question in here where I'm going to add his name to the answer. Um, but yeah, my senior year, we was like blowing through everybody because um, the year before my junior year, we got to the semis and lost to John Jay by one point. But it really was, mm-hmm. you couldn't tell us that uh, we weren't city champions uh, that year, my junior year. I think that was the 96-97 school year. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. we played um, John Jay 
at Hunter College and lost by one point. I mean, it was just heartbreaking. Wow, you don't know something could hurt so bad. So uh, <laughs> the next mm-hmm. year, senior year, we came <laughs> into it. We just regrouped. Like, we knew all year, like, okay, that's it. We coming back with a vengeance. I mean, we was walking mm-hmm. in the gym, and, like, you know, I guess the energy was just like, okay, we coming to get this this dub, and that's it. Like, literally. Yeah. Scraped. I'm talking Thanks. about AP Philip Randolph. Scraped them. You got it. I would love for them to hear this, because they'd be like, look at Asia talking her mess. Uh, <laughs> Martin Luther King killed them. You know, we was just running through everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then, so then what did that do for you career-wise? So you, you graduated. Oh what a gift. And a, what was that what transition gift, like? What a gift like, what? and a curse. So, uh, I was, um, of course I'm being recruited by top level division one schools, you know, um, and I had played in the, uh, end of the Oregon trail the summer of 97 and had a lot of mm-hmm. like the West coast schools, uh, checking for me. And then uh, what happened was because I was um, having an interesting personal life as a young person, it really Mm -hmm. affected my ability to focus on my academics. Um, Okay. So by the time, you know, we getting closer to the wire, St. John's was recruiting me and they were great friends with Walter and they, and I guess he said, Hey, listen, you guys got to help me do something with Asia because the grades aren't looking too good and she's not going to qualify. And, um, so mm-hmm. then, you know, made those full, those calls to those, uh, big time Jucos. So you went to Juco yeah, route. Talk about that. Juco Cause route. that's not, that's not an episode that I've delved <laughs> into thus far in terms Ju- of, Ju- you know, yeah. a female going the Juco route. Juco is interesting because there are these, um, small schools in these tiny towns where there's nothing else going on, but the sports. So these, these little I went to junior college my freshman year in Kansas. I went to Coffeyville. It's a D1 school. Mm. They're sending girls to illustrious major, right, major D1 schools left and right. It's in the middle of nowhere. Literally tumbleweeds going by. Uh, the biggest attraction <laughs> in the city was Walmart. <laughs> um, so, Stop yeah, but it. we was getting busy. We had a really good team. You know, I had teammates end up going to UGA. And one young lady cried to me getting in went to Arizona. One of my friends went to um, Louisiana Tech. I went to Western Kentucky. Um, but yeah, so when you, but this is the thing, and, and I don't want to, let me say this. When you go to junior college, you end up being recruited all over again because all the big mm-hmm. time schools are coming looking for talent that they need right away. They like, okay, we got this all-star freshman, but I need, I need a power forward now. I need her to come in mm-hmm. and grab all the boards and, you know, and do what she do. So that's Juco, you know, you go there, you, you, you kill it for two years and, Everybody's coming out to the tournaments. They're coming out to your games. It's like you get re-recruited all over again. So that was a blessing, definitely. Was it was it difficult to transition from inner city, oh, the gosh. Bronx, to Coffeeville, which is in the middle, like we of said, nowhere. You're major, in the middle of nowhere. Major. And then from a mental, from a, you know, and we're talking about someone who, like you said, this is what, 90? That was 98. This is 98 as a young black female in that environment. You know, what was that like? What was that transition? It was definitely major culture shock. Major mm-hmm. culture shock. Um, and, you you know, you struggle. Luckily, uh, my freshman year, um, I went to school my freshman year with a point guard from um, Martin Luther King High School, Kendra Romaine, who was just from the okay. Smith, Nike All-American. She's from Brooklyn. So, 
you know, we held each other down. But then everybody, nobody's from, like all the athletes, no, none of us are from here. So, you know, we just rallied mm-hmm. around each other and, you know, partied in our dorm room and found little clubs to go to. And you make it work, but it is a major culture shock. Especially when mm-hmm. the season ends and it's, you know, it's like, okay, <laughs> now, now what are we doing here? What are we, so, yeah. Right. <laughs> now, how did you end up at Western Kentucky now? Again, this is young lady from the, comes, the Bronx. The yeah, Bronx. about to come into this conversation. Okay. Bring Walter in. So um, my top three that, that were really heavy on me um, coming out of JUCO was Florida State, Clemson, and Western mm-hmm. Kentucky. Okay. And... Three different, three varieties of schools. But both schools were, Hi. But at that year, Clemson, Clemson and uh, Florida State were both ACC schools. So, um, mm-hmm. and then Western was in the Sun Belt. So, uh, Walter's like, Asia, what we doing? You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, and I'm telling him like, no, nah, I'm a sign late, Walt. You know, I just want to give myself an opportunity to really get seen, et cetera. But Clemson came out and saw me play and they saw me, came out and saw me do a workout and they're like yo asia brown we need this kid and um then i'm like nah man they ain't want me originally forget them you know i don't mm. 18 i don't know who i think i am mm-hmm. and in florida state as well like they were high on me you know they call you every night they make it sound amazing and the same thing with western kentucky but interestingly enough western kentucky was my first visit okay. yeah they flew me out like on a pl- um they like chartered a plane, like so. I didn't go through like you mm. know American Airlines or nothing. They like none yeah. of that. <laughs> you got right onto the tarmac, yeah. like yeah, the big yeah, boys yeah. and they, girls. They like chartered me this little tiny okay. plane. I guess this booster for the organization. He like flew planes and stuff, so he flew out to come get me. Um, and okay. they, 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 you know, they put the sh- they listen. Red carpet red times carpet, two, you know. And Walter's going Asia. Nah, you know, I really like. I like I really like Clemson for you, you know, and be and because I had trust issues with adults because of my own personal childhood at the time, I knew Walter mm-hmm. made, meant well for me, but I was just so hard headed, and I didn't listen. Mm-hmm. That if he said left, I'm mm-hmm. like yeah yeah yeah, I'm going right, you know. Mm-hmm. So you know they brought me out on this visit, and then um, I was like, you know, my parents weren't involved in this decision-making process at all. And trust me, when schools see that, they totally take advantage of that. That's just a fact. I need to make mm-hmm. that clear. Mm-hmm. And then I just was like, okay, I'm coming, you know? Okay. West of Kentucky, here yeah. we go. What was the mascot? Gosh, this big red blob looking thing. Okay, thing. Yeah. It was a thing. Big uh, red thing. Okay, thing. <laughs> <laughs> from an ac- from an academic a lady a lady topper from an academic standpoint you know were you finally on track were you by the time you got to western kentucky were things rolling in the right direction so i thought yeah so you know to get to to get to to qualify division one coming out of junior college you have to get your associate's degree so i did that but because at the time you know Academics was just really not my focus. I was just doing enough to stay eligible. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Was it when you say you were doing enough to stay eligible? You had the the you you had the the withal. You had the capacity. Did you just not have the discipline? Yeah. You didn't have the the resources to really stay engaged. Right? Was that was that true? Yes, absolutely. Like um, I remember I had to buy this hoopty. 
I spent like my last $1,200 on this hoopty, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. have a laptop, you know, so I had to like go to the computer lab when I had papers. And one night I spent all night in one of my teammates rooms doing the paper. And that was like a, a issue. I didn't think it was, but anyway, um, yeah, the resources were limited and I was basically, um, out there on my own. Keep in mind, Bowling Green, Kentucky is also, it's a little bigger than Coffeeville, but it's still like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's still small, still small like, time okay. America. And then um, okay. Western Kentucky didn't have a, a huge variety of cultures. You were either black or you were white. Um, mm-hmm. My northern energy and style didn't really fit their mold. And so. Mm-hmm. So how did you survive? Like, how did um, you thrive? I mean, you, I loved, you finished up now. I love you. Want I, slouch. I love my teammate. Um, I have, I have to connect you with her. Her name is Sheree Mansfield. She was like Miss Kentucky and all this stuff. She was big, big stuff. Um, so much. she mm-hmm. had a billboard and shit. Can I curse? She had a billboard. I'm sorry. <laughs> she had a billboard. I'm like, okay, Sheree Mansfield. But, um, my decision to go there was largely based around knowing that I could really play with Sheree. Like, okay, I'm like, yo, we could be mm-hmm. like Tim Duncan and, you know, uh, the, what, what did we call uh, Robinson? What did we call him? He had a nickname. It's slipping my mind at this time. But I saw us like being that kind of duo, you know. Okay. And we did and it was great. Okay. And um, yeah, so I survived just with friends and they're my, they're my friends to this day. I just, relationships. Yeah. It goes back to that. Yeah. The, key, the key in that, that relationships once you make them, once you build them, they're there for a lifetime. Yeah, for sure. So this podcast, it focused specifically on sport to career and its transitions. When did you know you wanted to become who you are now, which is an educator? Because I think that's important. When people hear your humble beginnings, you know, where you started, that things were you no know, silver spoon, nothing was perfectly scripted. It was your life. You You went through it. You had your ups and downs, but talk about, you know, when did you know you wanted to become an educator? The funny thing, Christina, I didn't know I wanted to be an educator. I had no identity outside of being a basketball player. Really? I swear. I had no, you know, I didn't, it's not even something that I ever considered. I thought I would play basketball my whole life. So, um, Mm -hmm. I was playing overseas and, um, that, that second year that I was playing overseas, I bounced around quite a bit. I went to Brazil and then I went to Greece and then I ended up in, um, Turkey. And this is, uh, the top of 2005. And when I, okay. I finished in Turkey, I came home in, um, February of 05. And I was like, gosh, I just need to sit down for a second. You know, I just need a break. And so what ended up happening in, in, you know, the winter, the spring of 2005 is my mother ended up uh, passing away. Okay. Yeah. And so when that happened, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know who I was or what I was mm-hmm. going to do. I, I, I was just like in limbo, mm-hmm. limbo, like, um, any like identification with anything just died. So I like died literally, you know, not literally, but you know Aww. what I'm saying? And then right. I, I started to just see the world differently. Who am I? What am I doing? You know, what are my next steps? And so uh, I went back to school and I still, I didn't know what I was doing. I just, let me go back to school. In, in you going, in you choosing 
making that decision to go back to school because I think it's important to highlight that that was a choice in your decision to go back to school. Was there a female influence or someone that looked like you that mentored you mm-hmm. during that process mm-hmm. or gave you great advice? Or was there someone? Yes. So what was you doing this dolo? So in 2022, when I left school, I didn't finish. I didn't have the credit hours to get my bachelor's at that time. So, but I had just left okay. and left the country and just started traveling abroad, playing basketball. And so I went back okay. to school. I was a few credit hours short of my bachelor's. And so I enrolled in the college in New Rochelle. They had a, a campus in the Bronx and everybody running the, the organization were black women. And so they really embraced me. They sat me down. I mean, wow. Yeah. She's like, okay, you do this, you do this. And this is the degree you're going to get. And then after that, I really think you should become a guidance counselor. You ever thought about being a guidance counselor? And I'm like, no <laughs> like right what but then like relationships between myself and my coaches are like circling in my head so how mm-hmm. can I be a coach without a ball as an educator mm. right guidance counselor so yeah <laughs> that's how that happened and I saw myself like soon as she said it I like literally saw myself in that role you know what I mean mm. And it kind of just, yeah, it clicked, it clicked. And so when I finished, when I finished my uh, bachelor's, I immediately enrolled into a master's program, um, majored in school counseling and the rest is history. That was, uh, 2010. Love it. All right. School counselor, educator. Mm. So oftentimes having someone that looks like us helps us pave the way knowing that there is hope. Is it safe to say that that young lady gave you hope. Yes. And if so, did you ever have doubt? No, I didn't have any doubt. No, not then. No, the picture was, the picture was so clear. You know, the picture was so clear. Um, Mm. And then especially getting into education, the first school I worked in, the principal was a young black brother. Um, Everybody was black. The teachers were black the the his his whole administration was black i was mm-hmm. uh interning as a as a guidance counselor at the time and the guidance counselor who who uh, supervised my internship is a black woman you know okay. so it's like you see all these educated black people in this profession it was beautiful to to see and it mm-hmm. really like yo she doing it, i could do that you know it it gives you that energy like oh they doing it i could do that you know so right, yeah, right. That just for me, I'm a visual person. So just seeing often, that. Yeah, often, I was going to say, I was going to add to that and say, oftentimes that's what we need. Like you said, that visual piece to just be able to see, you might not know, but to see it, you can envision it. And if you can envision it, you begin to manifest that in your day to day, whether that is, you know, with family, with friends in your private time, but to, to see that vision, it definitely it helps a lot. Yeah. Now, now share with us the scope of how you impact the next generation of leaders in your day-to-day role as an educator mm. in the high school education because I think it's important your story, you know, yes, I'm I'm a believer in Asia and 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 I am an advocate for young teachers, young black female teachers just because our, our youth need to see that. Yeah. How do you how do you how do you impact the next generation right this, now? This this is what I had to 
when we become adults, we can't get so far removed from our childhood experience that we don't remember how we used to think and behave. Mm, Right. Mic drop. Mic drop. Right. Right. So when I became a counselor, I really thought about myself at that age. What would I need for my counselor? You know, so I kind of just like it was like I I used it like the the, the kids, my students are like my mirror at the same time. I become them. But thinking about my own needs when I was that age and Mm -hmm. I know that I was a kid, I was always watching. I'm peeping what you got, how you move, how you dress, you know, what car Mm -hmm. you I'm literally because this is how I'm. I'm almost like raising myself. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. more, I'm I'm fashioning myself after these positive images that I see. And that's really what happened from my aunt Stacy, who gave me the ball at seven to um, a woman named Lashana Dickinson that lived in my neighborhood. She's older woman too. She connected me with the New York gazelles when I came back from California and she set me on the track to start playing. But mm-hmm. she was somebody I looked up to, you know what I mean? She's a ball player. She's educated. She got cars. She got the cell phone. She got the beeper. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'm going to be like that, right? <laughs> Aspirations. So, so when I became a counselor, I'm like, okay, people don't remember. These kids can see right through us. I know I, mm-hmm. I, knew I could. I wouldn't, you know, not right. necessarily have the language to explain that. But if I wasn't feeling you, I, I it was a, it was a, you know, in a feeling, if I didn't trust right. you, it was a feeling, you know, I'm talking about, you know, adults that were in my life. And so when I became a counselor, I was like, these kids need to see themselves as well when they look at me. So I'm going to dress up these Jordans with a, yes. with a, you know, with an iron, I'm going to look very neat in my sneakers. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I look young. <laughs> so that's a, that's a plus. They, they never believe my age. You know, of course they, not. They see my energy. Miss Brown, no, they don't believe that. No. That's okay. You know, I can <laughs> I can get in a meeting with my administrators and and speak articulate articulately and you know do that whole thing and then I get with my kids and close the office and I I can relate to them based on their language but at the same time encourage them and let them just see me because talk is cheap. Let me just let you see me. Yeah, yeah. Let me let you see me. Let me let you understand that you're looking at a woman with this you know, athletic background, but who's educated with three degrees mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm from your neighborhood and you, you know, you right. can do it too. And then when I started coaching, forget about it. Mm, talk a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about that. Never wanted to coach. Never had any, uh, never come had, on. I, never, why not? Seriously. I why never, not? I just never considered it. When I, when I walked away from the game of basketball in 2005, it was a hard stop, like boom, you know, just that had it, it, it literally that aspect of my being had died at that time. Mm-hmm. So moving forward in a new direction, I'm like, okay, that's my past life. And I still say that to people now. Oh, that's my past <laughs> life. But you know, I'm in these high schools and interestingly, they're like, you know, and they were new schools. I'm talking about, you know, there was an initiative at one point where they will open up all these new schools all over the city. So this school was mm-hmm. a new school. Like when I got there, they were only in, I believe their second year. And then that next year, they had a team through the PSAL. They got a basketball team. And so nobody else in the building has this basketball background. So my friend was like, yo, Brown, we having a team, so I need you to coach. And I'm like, what? Oh, my God. Nah, man, I don't know how to coach. No, I could play, but I don't know how to coach. That's how it started. And then when I was finished with that, by the time I got to Brooklyn, I had already decided, oh, I'm never coaching again. Woo, that was a once in a lifetime. I'm never doing that right. again. Same scenario. Right. My principal, it's a new school. <laughs> she comes to me. Hey, Brown, you know, I got this team now. We're going to have a team next season. And so, yeah, you know you're the coach. 
Like what? Nah, 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 bro. You protest it. So that's that's how it See, happens. So the seeds have already been planted. They were harvested. You just didn't know that you were supposed to be down there picking them. Yeah. And, and and preparing them for 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 the for the for the harvest to the table. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and you know, and being a coach was cool. I really enjoyed it at times. It was emotionally emotionally taxing. But um it was as much, if not more so, rewarding. Definitely more so rewarding. Um, and then coaching boys, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, talk you about know, it. Because I, I think coach it's... girls. I'm... Talk about it. At that it. time, the, the only the only sister doing it at that time was come on, Ruth Lovelace at Boys and Girls High School. Okay. Yeah. 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 Legend. Legend. Let come on, legend in the game. And we in the same building. Come on. So you know, I'm talking to Ruth Lovelace, like, yo, love, man. Yo, they want me to do this. I don't know. Nah, Brown, you got it. You got it. <laughs> How was that experience coaching the opposite sex? Yo, guys are not as tough as people think. They are very mm. sensitive. Okay. Whoa, guys are very, they're, they're, they're really sensitive, you know. Um, my kids in Brooklyn, I used to say to them all the time, like, yo, who's the female here? Cause, oh my God, y'all are so <laughs> emotional and sensitive. So my approach when I first got to Brooklyn and I was coaching those kids, it was very harsh and I don't think they, and it was weird cause I'm wearing two hats. I'm like their counselor loving on them and guiding them. And in the gym, I'm acting like a maniac, you know, I'm in there. <laughs> No shade, Walter Welsh. We everybody know you crazy. I'm in the okay. gym acting like Walter right. Welsh Walter. <laughs> and yelling and you know sweating. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. And my guys, they didn't they didn't adapt well to that energy. Mm. Yeah. And then I learned how to marry the two, mm. the coach and the counselor. I found a way to to marry those two energies. And oh my god, I went from the first season to losing every game to the second season winning like six games and third season going all the way to the championship. So, yes. and that the difference was me saying, I love you. I spent a lot of just ending every practice. I love you. I love you. Hugging on them, loving on them. And I got a much better response. I was tough when I needed to be tough. Right. But when I started nurturing them, cause you know, these kids seem they need that, it. It's what they needed. I yeah. think that's the I think that's the ticket right there is that you like you said you were able to to marry the both both sides of being that tough love and also being that nurturing piece that they needed that you saw that they would gravitate to and you yeah. just needed to figure out a way and I think I mean that speaks to the transition right there think about your own personal transition and how you needed to figure out how to marry those two in the different people that were pouring into your life. And so mm -hmm. here you are now, when I asked the question, here you are now giving back 360 plus mm -hmm. what you had experienced as a student athlete, as a female, as a coach, as an educator, just as a human being in general, understanding that the growth, the growth piece, the growth factor. Yeah. So I got to ask you, you know, what advice would you give, a recent graduate, because you know, uh, a lot of folks say, okay, you got guests on the show. I want to be a teacher. I want to be an educator. What mm -hmm. advice would you give a recent graduate or a career changer? We all know the, the amount of people that are leaving education and or entering. Mm -hmm. How? What kind of advice would you give them on how to become an educator and what skills are critical to success in that industry? We have to remember, I would, I would encourage 
any educator, whether you are a teacher, a counselor, an administrator, you have to remember that you are a human being first. And we're dealing with human souls. Yes. You have to be personable. You have to be compassionate. You also have to be firm, but you have to be fair. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Sometimes you got to be fierce and fearless. Because um, like you said, especially the populations that I serve, I'm all, I'm always in impoverished schools where resources are limited and kids are coming from really rough uh, neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. But you can't treat this like work because it ain't just work. It's not corporate where you just dealing with numbers on the screen or charts and stuff. You're dealing with human souls. And in education, it's interesting. They try to treat it that way with all this data and and uh, test scores and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And that's not, I, I think that's part of it, but that's not it. Like we mm-hmm. are dealing with, we have lives in our hands mm-hmm. and how we treat them, they carry for a lifetime. I mean, I can remember some things that teachers said to me when I was back in fourth and fifth grade, you know, right. Stuff, right. I'm talking about negative mean stuff. That stuff leaves an imprint on your, on your spirit, your you spirit. know, on your soul. So when you are in this work as an educator, you got to really like, no, this might sound cliche. You have to lead with love because that's what human soul, we, you know, to me, human beings, we are love. Right. When we got away from that. That's where you see the madness going on. But <laughs> you know what I mean? If you can remember that you're dealing with human souls and treat it as such, not numbers on the screen, not data on a chart. I think that that will take you above and beyond. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Now, since you're talking about that, that spiritual connection, that spiritual realm, what is your morning nugget? Like what's a daily routine for coach Brown to keep herself grounded? That self-care, oh, because I think it's important. Let me tell you something. It's so interesting that you asked me that because after all this time, I've just found it. Um, and it was advice that was given to me a few months ago to have a morning ritual. Like mm-hmm. as soon as you get up, you do this. So as soon as I get up in the morning, I make my bed and I go into my other room where I have, you know, my chakra stones. I have a chakra rug on the wall. I got pictures okay. of my mom in there, pictures of my beloved that transitioned in 2017. Surround myself with that energy and I meditate for five minutes. Sometimes I go over because I get so lost in it, but mm-hmm. that's how I've been starting my day. And gosh, man, what a difference, mm. you know? Now, how, how long have you been practicing this? About two months now. Okay. Because it just, the advice just, you know, came to me. Or maybe it came to me before and my hard-headed self didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, it was advised that I do that every morning, that I need to be, um, this is what I do every day that I get up. Before I start my day, this is what it looks like. Sometimes I'll light some Palo Santo. Sometimes I burn an incense just to get the vibe going. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to, I'm, I, I'm telling you, I set the, I set a timer for five minutes and then I, you don't know how many times I hit repeat. Right. So right. yeah. Okay. All right. And it, 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 it works. It helps. I love it. I love it. I love it. No, that grounding piece is critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we, you know, being a human being is not an easy thing. And I think when we find what works from us and I've coined it the morning nugget, you know, we stick with it. That's 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 something personable, and it's something that you know is, is ours. So as we round, yeah. the, you know, the last few laps of this this COVID thing, what are some cheat codes 
for students and parents to maximize education at the high school level, because that's the level that you are currently a guidance counselor at. I want to make sure that folks walk away with with some tangible information. If this is a parent listening or if this is a student listening, how would you advise? Gosh, um, Christina, I reviewed the questions and I, and I read that and I don't want to be pessimistic. Give me something. Yeah. I don't necessarily know if there are any cheat codes because what I'm finding is that, like I mentioned, I work in these impoverished schools with these, in these tough neighborhoods. Right. And what I'm finding in those situations is that the inequities in education are enormous. Okay. Mm. Enormous. Mm. And so the world around us is getting more technologically advanced Mm -hmm. digital. And then education is not evolving at all. You know what I mean? Mm. That, That bell to bell, the content is the same unless you're in a school that has amazing funding and amazing budgets where they got the technology. They, they do, you know, so it's, it's the technology is the separation piece right now. Yeah. We're, we're, it seems like we're moving in a direction where we're, we're, we're really creating this world of have and have nots and, and it's based and and so, you know, the inequities and it's, it's, it's definitely, um, socioeconomic, mm-hmm. it's a socioeconomic situation. Um, because, you know, I, I work on the South side of Atlanta and that looks different than when I go to the North side of Atlanta, mm. so the different socioeconomic status, it, 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 it's right in the school system as well, you know, because the communities look different. The, you know what it's I mean? It's just all different. It's, just, it's different, but it's still the same. Yeah. But you know, Class. So then if, if we're if we're looking at it from that piece, what would you encourage folks to get more technologically savvy? Would you encourage more students to take on, you know, learn yeah. more about how to get into the quote unquote yeah. the metaverse, but learn technology, like stay ahead of the curve. Would was that safe to say? Stay ahead of the curve. Yes, yeah, stay ahead of the curve or or ride the wave with with the times, you know, as it as it manifests itself. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if you, if you think about right now, like I can literally shop on my phone and it's being delivered to my door, like, right. And, and you know, within hours. So right now we're, we're, I think we're, we're moving away from a time when it's like, okay, go to college, go to college, go to cl- college, because you know, look at this. People went to college, got all the student loan debt right. and not even working in the career. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, I think that young people, students right now need to understand and pay attention to what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, there's a shortage, a shortage of truck drivers. There's um, everything is like delivery. Hey, maybe you want to have your own delivery service to, right. you know, com- not, I don't know who can compete with Amazon. I saw a prime airplane in the <laughs> Yo. But still Word. the manifest in that, Hey, if 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 they can, I can somehow yeah, find my yeah. way in that. In that, yeah. how can I get? In, how can I get involved with this? Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just because the world is going like, you gotta stay with it's it. It's flying. It's like t- 
technology, my, you know, my mother left here in 2005. She wouldn't believe even what we're sitting here doing right now. Right. Like you, you're, you know, you're in your studio in DC. <laughs> I'm in my living room in Atlanta. And, and we, we connected. Real time. She was bugging. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so stuff like that. But for kids, you know, how you getting your foot in this lane with the direction that society is going in right now? Because really and truly, it's not college anymore. Right. It hasn't been for quite some time. Yeah. You Agreed. know, and we still paying the bills on these, these degrees we got, you know, so, you know, and technology, forget about, it. I don't even understand what the metaverse is. <laughs> so educate yourself on technology and get with it. You know, even stuff like cryptocurrencies and things of that nature, all that. All that. That's some good advice. Learn how to code. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. All, all the technological things that are, that are happening, stay ahead of the curve now. So tell me, so what's next for Asia Brown? Like what you got going on? It's not, I know it just doesn't just doesn't stop here. No, it doesn't stop here. You know, I just have to. Uh, I don't know, Christina. Honestly, at right now, I'm taking each day as it comes okay. because I mean, there's a lot just going on. Um, period. Right. Right. In society and and otherwise, I guess for right now, my focus would be to just be healthy, um, in every way possible mind body and soul and um you know when it hits me i'll know and i'll begin the process of manifesting that and bringing it to fruition but right now um i'm going to continue my work as an educator as a school counselor and being what kids need and so you know i'm led okay to a different world. i love it i love it all right be sure to join us next week for a new guest a new episode follow like download at ChristinaAlexander.com. Plenty of services available for you, your students, athletes, and career changes. Appreciate you joining me, Asia, as always. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed this.